like to welcome you to Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. Let the church say amen. Let the church say praise the Lord. God is good. All the time, God is good. If you don't get anything else I say tonight, understand God is good. I'm so thankful and grateful for who he is in my life. And I just want to uh, acknowledge and thank the Lord for your pastors, Pastor Nathaniel, Pastor C. Elijah, Pastor James, who are mentors as well as good friends of my family as well. And I want to acknowledge, first of all, even before that, my Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. But um, I'm very thankful to God for the mentorship in my life. As uh, Pastor James was saying, I am a member of Word of Faith, and Bishop Dale Bronner is my pastor and my spiritual father. And so that is another area of, of grace and favor that the Lord has allowed me to participate in. And I don't take that for granted as, as well. So I think we need to appreciate the gifts that God gives us in our lives and the gifts that are most important are the people that he gives to us. We need to appreciate one another as friends, as family, as church members. We need to pray for one another more and thank the Lord for, thank the Lord for good relationships and bad ones. Because we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to be coming this evening from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 28 through 32. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 28 through 32. And it reads, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. I want to direct your attention, first of all, to the first few words of verse 28 where it says, but let a man examine himself. Say, examine yourself. And then in verse 31, it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. The title of this message that I've given is very simple. It's just called self-check. Say self-check. I believe that if we would check ourselves, then God wouldn't have to check us. God lets us know that, first of all, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due season. And we have to learn to seek the Lord, acknowledge the Lord. Everything has to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. When your focus is on him, then he teaches you how to check and examine yourself. Now, there's a dual meaning when I say self-check. There's a dual meaning to that statement. The first thing that self-check means is to examine your current state of being. 
In other words, assess yourself. Where are you? Sometimes the Holy Spirit just leads me throughout a day just to stop and ask him, Lord, how am I doing? In other words, how am I? Not, not just physically, but physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You know, sometimes there's things going on in your body, in your mind, in your spirit that you're not aware of. I ask the Holy Spirit to do a diagnostic on my person, on every aspect, because we're not just one-sided. We're mind, body, and spirit. So, Lord, my body feels decent, but I don't know what's going on on the inside of my body. My personal, well, one of my personal testimonies is the Lord just honored me to be able to do a hard thing. I had to perform a eulogy for one of my uncles last week, and uh, he died from cancer. And the thing about it was a lot of the family members did not know that he had cancer until the last couple of months. Cancer is something that is created in your body and it's taking place before you recognize that it's taking place. That's why you need to do self-checks. Physically, I believe that doctors tell women to, to do breast examinations. Is that correct? Because it's better to prepare and prevent than have to have to repair and repent. You have to seek out and ask God, how am I doing? Because there's a lot of things going on with us that we don't see. Mentally sometimes. Sometimes people can hurt you mentally and you don't recognize it, take your confidence from you, and you won't know when it left. So you have to say, Lord, how am I doing mentally? You got to pull up to the filling station and do a diagnostic. Because the Holy Ghost can take an x-ray machine and go through you and tell you, you low here on this area and fuel. You need rest. You, you, you need relaxation. You need, you need replenishment. Your body needs water. You need, you need to stop drinking so much of this and eating so much of that. God knows everything, but we have to ask him. We have to know, Lord, I feel all right, but I want to know how I'm doing because the two are not the same. So the first thing in terms of self-check is to examine yourself or assess yourself. Secondly, God wants us to correct ourselves. So once you assess yourself, then you have to say, okay, Lord, you've done the diagnostic on me. How can I get to where I need to be in Christ? How can you fix me? Because, you know, all of us are broken somewhere, whether we see it or not, whether we feel it or not. Until Jesus Christ comes back, you're going to always be broken somewhere. And to a degree, that's a blessing because out of a broken spirit and a contrite heart, the Bible says the Lord doesn't despise those things. And it brings humility. It brings obedience. It brings us to our knees in prayer. So brokenness is good, but we need to know where we're broken. So we, we know how to, to help ourselves and to get the help that we need. The business community has what's called a SWAT test. Say SWAT. Not S-W-A-T, like the police force, but S-W-O-T. SWAT is an acronym. The S stands for strengths. The W stands for weaknesses. The O stands for opportunities. Say opportunities. And the T stands for threats. God wants us to build our strengths, manage our weaknesses, explore opportunities, and eliminate threats. Understand that there's a strategy to every part of you. And God, the Holy Spirit, has all wisdom. The Bible says in James 1.5, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not. 
we have to ask the Lord to help us do a SWAT test. Everybody has abilities and skills and talents. The Bible says that the gifts and the calling are without repentance. When you were born, you were born with gifts. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got gifts right now. You've got gifts right now, and you're gifted. And more than that, not just because of the gifts, you have great value to the Lord. That's, that's part of knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. You're more than just flesh and bone. You're a child of the king of the universe, the living God, the Lord and Savior of all things, the creator of everything. He looks at you as more important than everything else that he created. You are paramount. You are on his mind 24-7. So we need to learn to take better care of ourselves, build our strengths, and understand this. Don't focus on weakness. Seek to build strength. Understand, I said manage your weakness. You have to acknowledge that you have weaknesses. That, that's an issue that some of us have. We don't want to acknowledge that we have a weakness. But we all have weaknesses. And I think, again, just like the Apostle Paul said when he asked the Lord to take that, that thorn out of his flesh, and the Lord said what? My grace is sufficient for thee. Weaknesses help you to stay humble. If God took all of our weaknesses and just left us with strengths, we would be, as, as they say, booger bears. <laughs> we would be out of control. Nobody would be able to tell us anything. Some of us are like that now. <laughs> if you know somebody like that, just keep looking ahead. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, but we have to have weaknesses. But don't focus on the weakness because that will bring you down. Focus on building strength. And then I want you to seek out every opportunity in life that God has for you. I think because we lack confidence a lot of times, we miss a lot of opportunities. You have to know who you are in God. The Bible says that he's given us all things pertaining to godliness and, and righteousness. Do you understand that? Don't sell yourself short. Seek after opportunities, whether it be in education or in business or in your career or in, in, in advancement and development of your family. Don't look at what you can't do. Look at what God told you you can do. And then the T, again, for threats, God wants you to eliminate threats. We don't play with threats because threats will take you out if you give them opportunities. You understand that? Sin is a threat. <laughs> The Bible says don't let sin or allow sin to dwell in your, in your body, in your members. Debt is a threat. God never intended for his children to, 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 to live with threat, uh, uh, live with debt. We, we're too accepting of a lot of things that God doesn't want us to have anything to do with. And he'll give you the strategy on how to get rid of it. I've heard people say things like, well, you're always going to have debt. Well, no, not necessarily. You'll always have expenses. <laughs> But God doesn't call you to have debt. The Bible says in Romans 13, 8, Owe no man any debt except that which to love one another. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, those are threats that the enemy uses against you. The devil is your primary threat. And the Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus gave us a strategy there. He said, I have come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. Jesus counteracts everything that the devil ever did. And understand, let me say this to you too. You are never defeated in Christ Jesus. It's a, but it's a mind game. Look at your neighbor and say it's a mind game. The devil fights you for control of your mind. If he can get your mind, he can get everything else in you. But God wants you to understand who you are. Your identity is key. But you got to do a self-check. 
before you can know who you are and where you are. And before you can know that, you have to know who he is. Ask him. Ask God. Talk to God. Just like we talk to one another. If we spend half as much time talking to God, think about it, as we do on the cell phone and on our home phones and on computers and all. If, if you spend half as much time talking to God, I talk to God by myself in my car in look in the bathroom, y'all. God, this, God is not offended whenever you come to him. He will not despise you. He won't put you to shame. If you come to him, he will talk to you. He will minister to you in some way, shape or form. But God wants you to assess where you are. He wants you to assess and he wants you to adjust. They adjust. Because once you find out where you are, God is working on changing you. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to change you. God wants to change you. That's one of his primary goals in relationship with us, that we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. He, he came to change us. The Bible says, come as you are, right? But they didn't give you the disclaimer. Once you come, Jesus is going to change you. Not the people around you. God will use people around you to get you changed. So, again, you have to understand and have the knowledge. Don't get mad with people. All things work together for good. God is using who he wants to use to bless you and better you and build you and mature you. Why? So you can give him glory and then go out and teach somebody else who he is. God wants us to monitor ourselves, manage ourselves, and maximize ourselves. When you do those things, then you achieve mastery over yourself. Understand, I said mastery over you, not over somebody else. God never intended for you to control another human being. Never. If he doesn't control us outside of our will, why would he let one of his other children control another one of his children? God doesn't go against our will. So it's not our jobs to make our husbands, to make our wives, even to make our children to a degree. Now, you do have to make your child do certain things. Don't get me wrong. But when they reach an age of accountability, you have to trust that what you've put in them will govern their lives. You have to listen, teach them how to check themselves. But see, I can't teach that if I'm not checking myself. It begins at home. The Bible says that God is not even going to judge the world first. He's going to come to the church, his people, and judge them. And I, I want to ask you a, a rhetorical question. Just think about this. If God came today, what account would you be able to give him? Even as a Christian, even as a child of God, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, what would your report be to him? What have you done for him in your lifetime? What are your thoughts on a daily basis? Do you check yourself when the, when the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy and put thoughts in your head and get you to have bad attitudes and, and negative spirit and, and, and jealous against people? How do you respond? Do you just submit and allow him to use you or do you rebuke him? Do you get in your word? Do you pray without ceasing? We need to be on attack mode, church. The church has is, is, is been in a defensive position too long. God wants you to attack. He wants you to take back everything that the devil ever took. That's not defensive mode. That's offensive. You, you need to be pursuing the kingdom of darkness to eliminate it. What did I say? Eliminate threats. You are a threat. But again, you have to know who you are. It doesn't matter. Bishop says it like this. The man who can read and does not is no better than the man who can't read. Both are ineffective. So my question is, what are you doing for the Lord? How are you developing yourself? How are you training yourself? 
How are you giving him glory? The main area that we need to monitor is our hearts. Everything begins in the heart. Everything begins with a desire. The book of James chapter 4 talks about where do fights and wars and rumors of wars come from. And then later on it talks about how does, does it not even come from down deep down in our own members? Meaning the desires of our heart is why we don't get what we pray for. Because a lot of times we ask or pray amiss, the scripture says, meaning with the wrong motive. What is your motive? God is concerned with three things. He's concerned with what we do. That's your actions. As a Christian, you know your actions speak volumes. If you tell anybody that you are a Christian, they're watching you. You're under a microscope constantly. If you call the name of Jesus, you, you're under a microscope, under a bullseye, as a matter of fact. <laughs> is, is that accurate? And so you have to watch your actions. But also, God is concerned with how you do things. That's your attitude. See, you can do a, a good thing and do it with the wrong attitude, with the wrong spirit, and turn people off. And, and give them the opportunity to say, okay, they're going to one them Christians again. They're supposed to be, you know, sweet and nice. And, and understand, you can be sweet and nice and still be firm and, and convicted and, and stand on your principles. Nice doesn't mean doormat. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so God is concerned with your actions. He's concerned with your attitude. Thirdly, he's concerned with why you do what you do. That has to do with your motive. Your intent. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting asunder to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The Bible, the word discerns the intents and the motives of our heart. I tell people when I counsel them, you can lie to me all day long, but the Lord knows what's going on in your heart. And see, I'm not the judge. Don't try to impress me. You need to impress him. Does that make sense? Lord, how am I doing with you? You got to do a self-check. What's my motive? What, if I give, what was my motive for giving? Did I give to get something back? That's the wrong motive. God said give because he gave. What does John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God is a giver. And as his children, we're supposed to reflect him. And his actions and his attitude and his thoughts. And the book of Isaiah says right now that our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. But guess what? One of his goals is that our ways be his ways and our thoughts be his thoughts. The Bible says that we are to have the mind of Christ. The Bible says imitate Christ. There's a whole lot in the Bible that talks about Christ. Amen. He is the source of your supply. When you keep your mind stayed on Jesus. You don't have time for you to mind, your mind to go astray on other things. And understand that if you don't do a self-check, God will check you. God is a God of order. That's why I believe it was in the book of Genesis chapter 6. He destroyed the, the world with a flood because he said that the thoughts and the intents of every man's heart was evil continually. And God repented that he ever made man. That's a deep thing. For God to, to, to wish he had not made a, a, a generation of people. So he took them out. But God says this. I don't want to judge you. So you judge yourself. Judge yourself. Bishop has given us some, some levels of judgment for ourselves. The first level of judgment. God will come to you through internal conviction. Say conviction. 
Conviction is a dirty word for a lot of us church people. But conviction is what saves your life, natural and spiritual. So understand, don't run from conviction. I pray, I pray for conviction like I pray for patience. <laughs> and you know what happens when you pray for patience. I don't like the results, but I know it's good for me. It's kind of like vegetables. I may not like how all of them taste, but I know they're good for me. So you got to choose what's good for you and not just what you like. But God will send internal conviction. And if you resist his internal conviction after a while, secondly, he'll send prophetic warning. Prophetic warning, meaning somebody who knows you or may not know you will have a word from the Lord for you directly. And they, don't want, they may not even know why, but they'll give it to you because you've been avoiding the unction and the, and the counsel of the Holy Ghost. And if he has to continue to send you <laughs> prophetic warning, ultimately, thirdly, he has to send divine judgment. Not to destroy you, but to destroy your flesh that you might have a chance at eternal life. See, God loves us, y'all. He loves everything about us, and he is the source of our supply and our blessing. And we have, to, we have to check ourselves. We have to check ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, you have to check yourself. And let me just say, again, God loves us. The Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he chastises. It's, it's, it's so amazing how he teaches us through our daily lives. You know, how many of you are parents in here? You know as a parent that you don't necessarily want to chastise your child. But if you want them to become who and what they're supposed to be, at some point you must discipline and chastise your child. And the best teaching is teaching through example. And let me say this to you as well. Another good teaching tool is apologizing when you're wrong in front of your, your, your wife, your husband, your children. Don't get full of pride and act like you can't make a mistake and can't ask for forgiveness. That's the wrong message because we don't duplicate what we want. We duplicate who we are. And if your children see that you never apologize and you claim never to make mistakes, then when they grow up, they think, well, something's wrong with everybody else. I'm fine. And that's the wrong perspective to have. You have to check yourself. Say, check yourself. Let me give you some gauges as I get ready to close. Gauges on how to check where you are, to self-check yourself, some areas that you need to check yourself in. First of all, you need to check your humility level. Say humility. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall, and pride is the strength of sin. And the only thing that really counteracts that I know of, pride is humility. God says, humble yourself. Again, he wants you to humble yourself. I don't want God to humble me. Because, see, God doesn't come in real gentle and real sweet when he has to humble his children. God handles business. So I said, Lord, <laughs> I'll take care of that. I'll correct it. I'll work on that. I'll pray about that. I'll make changes. So he wants us to humble ourselves. Secondly, look at your or gauge your appreciation level, your thankfulness. How thankful are you? The Bible says to be thankful in all things. It didn't say be thankful for all things. It said be thankful in all things. Good and bad. Why? Because no matter what happens, I'm still here. God is still on the throne. And I have another opportunity to serve the Lord, to be a blessing to somebody else, to make my life count and matter for something. Thirdly, virtue. Gauge your, your, your areas of virtue. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. 
right in between faith and knowledge is virtue. So one way to gauge your virtue level is to gauge your faith and your knowledge level. Did you get that? If, if my faith level is high and my knowledge level is increasing, then I know I'm a man or a woman of virtue. Do you understand that? Fourthly, excuses. Gauge your excuse level. If you make excuses about everything that goes on in your life, something is wrong. Not with other people, not with God, but something's wrong with you. Excuses are crutches for the uncommitted. When you give excuses, that means that you've neglected some, some gift, some blessing, some prayer, some word that God is trying to get to you to get through your situation. The Bible says we're overcomers. We don't make excuses. We make changes. Fifthly, your choices. What kind of choices do you make? Do you make wise choices or do you make choices based on how you feel at the time? Are your choices based on principle or are they based on preference? How do you choose? When you choose, what, what is, what's the foundation behind? Do, do you have any principles that are set? Because when you set principles in your life, 99% of your decisions are already made. You have to set principle. Next, your habits. Some of us, well, all of us <laughs> have good habits and all of us have bad habits. You have to minimize and work on eliminating those bad habits. What is it? And, this, and first of all, you have to admit that you have them. We, you know what I want you to do? Just as a homework assignment, you don't have to report this back to me. I want you to go home and look in the mirror and say, Lord, what do I need to work on? Just you and God. You don't have to tell another soul in the world, Lord, what do I need to work on? He'll tell you. A lot of times we don't ask God things because we don't, really don't want to know what the answer is. <laughs> Moving right along. Boundaries. 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 Do you, ha- do you have any boundaries? It's unsafe not to have boundaries. Boundaries do two things. They keep certain things in for your good, and then they keep certain things out that are trying to harm you. Set boundaries. Our bishop just started a series last night called Heart Protection. And he came from one of my favorite scripture verses, which is Proverbs 4, verse 23, where it says to guard your heart with all diligence. But out of it flow the issues of life. Guard your heart. You can't close your heart, but you can learn how to guard your heart. Amen. Finally, expectations, expectations. What do you expect out of life? I think that our expectation levels are very low sometimes. We don't expect very much because we don't think very much of ourselves. That goes back to identity again. You've got to know who you are, who you are in Christ, because he loves you. And he has a great purpose and destiny for you and not just you, your children and your children's children as well. As I close, let me say this. Your doing comes out of your desire. Look at your neighbor and say, your doing comes out of your desire. And the purpose of the self-check is self-change. The purpose of the self-check, remember that, is self-change. God wants to change you. Not your husband, not your wife, not your friend, not your boy. God, it's God that's trying to get you to change. Praise the Lord. I just want you to know that it's been a pleasure. And also, if you would like to hear this sermon again in its entirety, please go to www.airjesus.com and type in sermon number 6273. And we want to thank you for joining Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the word. This ends message number 6273 by Charles Houston. 
to hear other messages or to send this message number 6273 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com or theonlineword.com. This has been message number 6273. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged.